What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I am Noah Bloomberg from Indiana River Forge. With me, the one, the only, the reigning octagon of Facebook debate. It is Ryan <laughs> Copley. Our guest today is Ira Housewert, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know if he holds any titles in the octagon, but he is a beast when it comes to knife making and blacksmithing. And um, are we allowed to mention Force and Fire champion? Do we say that? Say whatever. All right. Okay. Well, hey, (laughs) just a few, uh, just a few things we want to get out right out of the gate here. Um, We always talk about, and I mean always, because it comes up in every episode. We talk about the knife making community and how awesome it is. Well, guys, it is time to rally again. One of our boys, um, Nick Tobin from Pickle Cutters, his brother. Um, his brother's wife, actually, so Nick's uh, sister-in-law, has just been diagnosed with a pretty horrible cancer. Um, I don't know all the details, so I don't, I won't get into it. But it's going to be some some process, and there's going to be some pretty major surgery. So Pickle is doing a raffle. This is a podcast, so I can actually say the raffle word, but it's a waffle. If you go on uh, Instagram, he is doing a raffle. He's raffling off a beautiful knife that's made with Baker Forge and Tool Steel. So you can imagine it looks killer that and it's made by pickle. So there you go. Um, So as soon as I saw that, I contacted him. I'm donating a knife. Since then, a number of other people are also donating knives to go into this raffle. So if you go to pickle cutters on Facebook or Instagram, um, I know he's got a, does he have his website up yet? Ryan, do you know? He's had his website up for a while. I have the total list right here because I was oh, yeah. talking to him earlier today. 13 knives and three axes have been donated so far. So not only is this a great cause, it's I think it's 20 bucks Canadian per ticket um, to get in on this raffle. But I mean, we have raised a lot of money for these people. Um, they have two young kids and uh, his brother's going to be having to take a lot of work off to uh, help take care of his wife during this surgery and everything that's going to come from it. This is what we do, guys. We take care of our own. And um, if you can, please go to Pickle Cutters and get in on this raffle to help continue to raise some money for this family. Very, very important. And it's something that we love doing. Ryan, anything else to add on that? A little bit of extra incentive for you. Pickle and I were talking today. I don't have the time to make a knife for the raffle but I wanted to do something for it. So every maker who joins the raffle, your name will be drawn separate from the raffle and whoever wins, I'm going to send you a medium flat rate box packed as full as I can get it with handle material. Wow. So, all right. so we're talking micarta. It'll all be stabilized. It'll all be knife ready, good quality material. And that's, that's my contribution because I can't, I don't have anything to donate as far as knives go. And I wouldn't be able to have one done by the time the raffle was over. So. Gotcha. So yeah. Do you know if he set an end date to the the raffle as of yet? Um, I think he's going to let it go as far as long as he can. Now that he's got like 16, 17 different prizes going. Gotcha. Um, so. So last I heard, um, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but last I heard from pickle in one of his update videos, we had raised a total of $8,500 for this family. Um, which is awesome. And I, I love that that happened so quickly because I believe it was Christmas morning that this, or no Christmas Eve, uh, morning that he started this thing. So that is a huge amount of money that is going to be really appreciated by this family. And I know that, uh, pickle said his brother was extremely grateful and, and everything to the, the community out there. So, yeah, when I hey. talked to him earlier today, he was up to 9,500. Um, and then I wanted to make sure that my contribution was separate. So it gives you more than one chance to win. So after all the winners are drawn, then he'll draw from just the makers who entered. Cause there's no sense in some Joe Schmo who sells insurance to win a box of handle material. You know what I mean? So just the makers who join and it's going to be one, one shot each. So <clears throat> if Ira Housework bought 10 tickets, Ira Housework gets one drawing towards the handle material box. And Pickle's going to announce all that tomorrow, 
which works out good because we're recording this Monday night. So this will come out at the same time. Perfect. Well, there you go, guys. A little extra incentive in there. Um, One other thing that we need to talk about is Jason Knight. His his shop or shop and studio actually burned down. Um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, but he just announced it the day before yesterday or yesterday. And if you know anything about Jason Knight, you know, that's his entire livelihood. He is in the process of building a new shop and studio, but it's nowhere near completed. And so not only is that really hard on him, but actually uh, his son had a lot of tools in there because they would work together in that shop, I guess. So there is a GoFundMe um, for Jason Knight's son to help recoup some of those tools that he lost and try and get them back on track. So um, I think, uh, Ryan, do you know where people would find that? I can't remember off the top of my head. It, it's on his social media. I can't remember the name of the GoFundMe. Um, okay. But um, you can find it, it on either of his pages. Okay. Yeah. And if not, shoot me a DM, shoot Ryan a DM. We'll, we'll point you in the right direction. So we just want to make sure that the, the people in the community that are supporting us, we're supporting back and uh, that's what we'd love to do. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. First and foremost, we've gone on enough. We are here with Ira Housework. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Good. Trying to chill out after the uh, the craziness that, that is uh, Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All the orders. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got out, I got out nine knives last week and four axes. So felt pretty good. Dang. Nice. Very it's nice. always a good feeling rolling into the post office with armloads of boxes. Here it didn't go. feel good for me because I was trying to figure out how fast I could overnight a package to get it to various spots in the country and how much it would cost me. So <laughs> it felt good after it was done mm. and they were delivered. Yeah, I got lucky. I didn't have anything get delayed that was promised by Christmas. So I got I got lucky this year. I heard B. Cohn had a hell of a time. He's got some that are, it's in, it's in God's hands now type deal. Oh, no. That's the worst. Yeah, I always, I ensure every package I send um, just to give that little extra bit of security. And I'm always watching the tracking and stuff too, so... Absolutely. Worst time of year to be shipping packages. So what's, so, uh, what's your, what's your day consist of Ira? Oh, so my shop's just outside the door, basically walk across the driveway and I'm right there. So that part's great. Um, primarily just doing decorative blacksmithing work and I don't know, maybe 10, to 20% of my stuff right now is knives after forge and fire. I get a lot of knife orders, but I, uh, I wanted to ask you about forged and fire. We've had yeah. quite a few forged and fire people on, including Jason Knight, but it always seems like a touchy subject to dig into what it's like to be on forged and fire. And, and I don't know why I haven't been on. I'm no. not sure. I, I don't think, know. Do they make you just... sign? Uh, they do sign a lot of stuff, but I've, I've listened to some other podcasts where they, some of the guests were talking about stuff they probably shouldn't have been, but I don't, I don't think anybody's listening to these to, you know, to go after it. I think it's just little things on how the show rolls. They don't want to give up like the trade secrets and, but no, it was, it was as it was shown. Basically I had fun, you know, I was nervous getting onto it, but once I was there, you pretty much see what's going on. Just little things, you know, everything's recorded twice and things like that, but that's just how TV works. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. I'm going to ask one question about forge and fire. Oh, you can, when, you can ask as many as you want. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to beat the dead horse because you yeah, know, know. It's, it's one of those things that's talked about a lot. Um, so when you're, when they're, they're filming and you're watching the show Everybody's going, let's just say round one and somebody makes a mistake and then it switches to that person in an interview setting. They go, and then right then it just, it just fell apart. Is all that interview 
after the end of that round or, or, or how are they prompted to like, remember and like get themselves like back into the moment of like when that happened, like how, how, how do they film that? Yeah. It's after the round it's after it's everything's walked off, you know, you're done, but then they pull you and they separate you and put you into every little rooms where you have an interviewed or a producer. And then, but it's quiet. You just have one person in front of you. So you think it's just you, but really you're just going on to another <laughs> team and, and they're trying to get you into that past sense and be like, it's really hard because I'm like, I did this and you're, no, you're right there. You got to describe it as you're, um, but no. And then of course wow, the rounds are multiple days, you know? So round one is day one, then you're interviewing, going home. And then the handle day is the day two. So see, I figured that out just based on the cleanness of some of the competitor's shirts. Because because they 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 they're all wearing the same shirt that you were in round one, yep. but I'll be darned if that sucker ain't spotless clean. When a yep. second ago it had it had you know Ford scale and sweat and and stuff all over it a minute ago, and then all of a sudden it's that's bright yeah, and shiny and that's clean. It's amazing. That you're you need to some you need to bring that when you go. So. I had heard that Forged in Fire was in the tail end, like it's close to being done. I have no idea. I mean, I think it's still a moneymaker for them. I think they just... I know a lot of people who watch it. Yeah, I think it's... I don't think it is. I mean, of course, there's those silly little pop-up videos on YouTube, you know, clickbaits that are like, oh, it's done. This guy's going to jail. And I I think that's what we end up seeing. I, I mean, I think as long oh, yeah, as the, the History Channel is making money on something, they're gonna they're gonna run that horse to the ground. Yeah, all they've well, got I, is Forged in Fire and Ancient Aliens. Haven't they already run it into the ground? I mean, how many more ideas can they come up with for the competition? I, I mean, I, man, they just keep doing it. They need to do a stock removal series. Yeah, they they've almost done a stock removal. That was one of the ones I was actually worried about that I'd get, you know, because I'm a I need to forge it to separate myself. You know, the the stock removal guy is going to whip me, you know, on grinds. And there was a dagger one they did once that I was like, oh geez. Yeah, I wouldn't do well with that. The one thing that I haven't seen them do is uh, is like a stainless sand mai. They've done all kinds of sand mai. They've done 8 million episodes about canister Damascus, but they haven't done a stainless sand mai. Well, you know, the problem with that, I don't think they do it because, you know, they, they kind of suffer on a lot of the, like the higher skill guys to do that. You know, they seem to want, they like to get a lot of beginners on there that have have no way they're going to pull off a stainless sand mai, you know? So I think, I think they just all fail, you know, and they got to have some, some succeed somewhat, but they also love failure. So they're not going they after them. Yeah. I'd like to see them do a community choice episode where the knife making community nominates people. Like you get Dennis Tyrell in there with like pickle. Yeah, that could be yeah, done. They, probably. they need to bring in a bigger couple names. other guys. They need to bring some of those in if they're available. And I mean, I, I had a friend that's a pretty good knife maker, and they turned him down. They got him all the way, and then, you know, I couldn't believe they turned him away. But like I said, I think they're 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 starving. They want you know they want girls. They want you know minorities. They're trying to fire all that kind of stuff to show to try to br- keep the show going. And and the show the yeah, episodes we like, you know, where they bring in the Greco Morassis. Uh, I don't know, maybe the normal viewing public that doesn't know anything about knife making doesn't really care about that stuff. Yeah, most people who watched like the episode with Walter Sorrels where he got eliminated in round one had no idea who the fuck Walter Sorrels was and had no idea that he had more time making blades than all three other bladesmiths combined, you know? It's just like the luck of the draw with the show and the most a majority of the audience of the show watches it for entertainment purposes. They don't actually make knives. Yeah. But and they, it makes they sense that they're go ahead. Oh, sorry. They, they'd need to pay more too. And that would drive in some higher quality, you know, and that's, I mean, the winner getting 10,000 is, is somewhat of a joke. You know, you're still you're going to spend three weeks of your life. I don't, I'm about to find out what taxes are going to do to my 10,000, but I guess there's a separate line item. that's like lottery winnings that I'm going to have to enter it in. So, which is a higher tax rate than income tax. 
uh, yeah, ask me here in a, in a few months. It's, it's going to probably put me in a bad mood. Um, but it, no, it needs to I've be always up wondered there. about that. 25,000, who knows what it should be. And honestly, the guy that gets eliminated very first, he should get a thousand bucks at least or something to go home with. I mean, it's some money. They should be getting paid for sure. So the losers don't make anything. You get a per diem for being a home for however many days you're away from home on the studio. But it was, that was whatever. It's small. I don't know. Like 40 bucks a day or something like that. Yeah, maybe less. Wow, so it was That's not much, not much. So, so really, that, I mean, they, they uh, clearly need to pay major, more. You, you, you really got to make sure you got your uh, your vacation uh, squared away at, at, at your job before you go applying to be on that show. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, that's rough. But it was worth it. I had that's fun. R- I mean, of course, I had a good experience with it. So maybe I, I wouldn't say that at the other way. But no. Yeah, the exposure is worth something. You know, it's there is a dollar value you could probably put on that level of exposure. I mean, all you guys are on Netflix now. Yeah, and I think my season's not released. I'm, but I'm guessing I'm going to see another. Who knows? Four hundred Facebook friend requests or something. The second you know <laughs> that shows up and it downloads season nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it depends on the personality too, because I mean, it's been said a lot, you know, your personality and how you present yourself affects, you know, your marketing of, because you're marketing yourself when you're marketing yourself as a knife maker. And, and if you present yourself well on the show, that's going to be a lot different than someone else. Because I've heard other people who have said that they didn't see anything from the fortune fire. They didn't see any exposure. They didn't get any more followers or any more sales or anything like that. But then I've also heard, you know, other people who it's made their career. So I think it just depends on how people receive you and how you come across in the show. And unfortunately, a lot of that's probably in the hands of editors, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard a few guys say that, like uh, one guy said his knife wouldn't cut and he didn't sell a knife for nine months after that. Because who wants to buy a knife that won't cut? And everybody assumed all his knives wouldn't cut because he was on Forged and Fire, and that's what happened on the show. Um, so it, I think it's I, a gamble too, because you could be gambling away all your, you know, credibility in the knife making world if you have a catastrophic failure on a national TV show. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it hurts your reputation too much, but. I th- one thing I think I got lucky with is I have a simple first name that's very unique that's not out there. So if you go to Google Ira, you're gonna it's gonna pop up, be it on Facebook, Instagram, Google, and then where if you got like Ryan, they don't show your last name the whole episode. Right the very first you do, and then but during the episode people are still watching like oh who's Ryan and then you know it doesn't pop up as easily. So oh, that was yeah. just, that's just dumb luck on my part. That's a good point. I never would have thought of that. Because good I mean, I, you, I got, I don't know. I clearly, you know, had a thousand followers on Instagram immediately that night. That's cool. That's cool. When your nice. notifications are going so fast, you can't keep up with them. Yeah. I had that happen yeah. with a reel one time. I, I haven't had a whole lot of success on, but uh, I started making reels. Um, actually because of a, a post that Sharky made a while ago about, you know, Instagram and the algorithm and stuff. So I started making reels and, you know, it is what it is. You know, you, some of them, you get a couple hundred, some of them, you get a couple thousand. Uh, I posted the stupidest reel I have ever made. And it was literally of me flipping tongs while I was waiting for the steel to heat up in the forge. And it's literally just a video of me flipping tongs over in my hand. And that sucker got over 20,000 views, which I mean, I know there's people out there with like millions and stuff, but like it's, it's by far like the most, the highest viewed reel I've ever made. And it was of me flipping tongs, not one of my cool knives that I've made or anything that I've been proud of, like nothing like that. No, me flipping tongs. Yeah. I've seen your video. It's It's weird how that works. I have like my average is probably four to 500 views on, on any given reel that I post, but then randomly like just dumb ones will skyrocket. Like that one I posted of Dennis Tyrell's drill press chuck that he made me 
where I just, it was bolted yeah. and I just drilled a hands free drilled a hole through the blank. I got like 9,600 views in the first like three hours. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? That doesn't even make sense. And I have a whole had, lot of had, followers from Uzbekistan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the issue with the viral video that we're not talking about. You get a lot of followers, but they're from who knows where. So I had two mm-hmm. of them pop off right in a row on me. And I, I, I did it. I was like, oh, this is easy. And then after that, it slowed down. <laughs> but the, yeah. the views all happened on Facebook. I, I put it on Instagram, but then Meta, whatever, picked it up and, and then promoted me on Facebook. So I didn't get piles of followers on it, but um, those are, those two are at like seven to eight million a piece. Nice. nice. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. So, I haven't figured out a way to even like look to see if anybody's watching my reels on Facebook. I don't know how to look at that. You know, you go to in the know. bottom corner underneath the video, and you go down to like insights on one of those little round dots, oh. and then you go down, then hmm. scroll down, and you'll see it breaks it up, like how many of your oh, views okay. were on it's Facebook and. All right, let's take a look at that. I don't know. I haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to social media lately. I've just been trying to post just to like, you know, keep the algorithm acknowledging me. But I just haven't had a whole lot of time to to really push anything. I haven't been trying to sell anything. I haven't been I haven't really put a whole lot of uh, energy into the whole social media and promotion stuff lately. So I need to get back so into that. Last week I went to a hammer in in Denver. And there's a young guy there, a young maker, 21 year old, who uh, made a samurai sword for a rapper, pretty famous rapper. And this is SOC Forge. I don't know if you guys follow him. Anyways, the guy he know. makes a he puts on one of his stories a picture of him slicing a watermelon or pineapple with this samurai sword, and it was like immediately a hundred thousand followers. Jeez, it's kind of wow. weird. Yeah, take a look at his. Check out his profile. It's kind of fun. Um, Mike, so Mike Dunn from, from MD Edgeworks. He's been on the show before. He's a great guy out of Texas. He made a reel of him stretching out a red hot spring. Oh, that was awesome. And it, it blew up overnight. He went from 1600 followers to, I just checked right now. He has 41,000. That was just a brilliant boom. idea. One reel. And a bunch of people tried to copy it and like, yeah, it was, that was a good one. Oh, and, dude. uh, House, I, I've, I've watched that House, one over and over again. Brian House jumped to like fifty thousand after he posted that one of him just bending the metal in his brake, just boop, boop, bending metal, and it went viral. And now he jumped like forty thousand followers. The moral of the story here, kids, is that you need to make things that are hashtag satisfying. Yes, and I only and jumped like. 700 from the Rogan bump. Yeah. Or just imagine. It's just some simple fast two video. And, you know, but that you, that you don't see, that's the problem with knife making. Like, I mean, our feeds are just filled with knife makers. So if you scroll down, there's always somebody cutting a paper tool, paper towel tube and, you know, putting oil on a handle. And those are beautiful things to look at. But, you know, I just, there's so many of them out there. Hmm. Yeah. There was something saturated. Yep. Yeah. There's just, there was just something about uncoiling that it was, what is it a garage door spring or something? I don't know what kind of spring it was, but the way he did it, cause he gripped it and then he held the camera in his hand and like edited it together. There was some care taken in it, mm-hmm. which for like from my Rogan reel, that took me 10 seconds to make, you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of the ones that actually pop off are the simple ones, but he actually put some effort into that one. It paid off. Yeah, because it looked just... cool because he, sl- he slowed it down so you could see the scale flying off the spring. Oh, yeah. Oh, I it was it was satisfying to watch. It It's great. Yeah. If you're into visual ASMR, it's it's awesome. For sure. So anyway, just, so. Oh, go ahead, man. I just like Instagram way better than Facebook. I don't know what, why. What, well, I do that? know why. Be- like Facebook, you get all these dickheads out there. Are there and some? In, yeah, there are. And But like Instagram, it's limited to enough where it's not worth engaging. You know what I mean? And most people don't engage on Instagram. They engage on Facebook. Um, it annoys the shit out of me. 
What do you do when uh, when you meet one of those individuals, Ryan, on Facebook? I usually I usually warn them a couple of times, and then if they attack me, which they always do, I eviscerate them with words, and then I go about my day. Yeah, yeah. You you slaughter them with words. You leave them on the ground, dead, dying, bleeding in a pool of the, of their own hateful rhetoric. I'm really good at it, man. I'm really good at it. I tell people, leave me alone. Don't troll me because I'll fucking destroy you. And people still do it. Now, the Brian House trolling that we do back and forth, obviously, that's playful. We love each other. I have nothing but respect in the world for Brian House. And I'll make fun of his hair any day of the week. But like attacking somebody on Facebook for no reason is a totally different story. That happened to me today. Did it happen to you today, Ryan? Yeah, over something stupid. So, on a page right, or so your if, personal if, page? I only have, I have, I never use my business page on Facebook. So if I'm on Facebook, it's on my personal page, which is still Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. So, so for you listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, basically there was an individual and this individual was a member of the knife making community. And this is one of those rare instances because normally, like we always talk about the community is great. We love everybody. But there are some people who are of the mindset that they know more than you, are better than you, or, you know, just general dickheadery. Uh, and uh, and if, if you're one of those people, I would encourage you to, to not poke the bear that is Ryan Coakley. Yeah, just don't. Just, there was no need for it. You, re- I showed you the messages. Oh, I yeah. showed you the whole thing. It was, I did nothing wrong until the end. And anyways, we don't need to talk about it. I'm sure everybody's <laughs> going to go on my Facebook now and read it because I'm not taking it down. Um, yeah, it, this guy is he is bigger than me. He is more well known than me. But what he said was not cool. You just don't do that. You don't pick fights with people over something that's totally dumb. To- like the post was I posted. Uh, what did I say? Nothing makes you wish for an asteroid impact more than going to Walmart on the day after Christmas. Which, first of all, if you've ever done it, it's funny because it's kind of true. But I think all of our listeners can agree that that's probably a joke, right? Would, would you say that's probably a joke? <laughs> I posted it as I was walking out of Walmart on the day after Christmas. <laughs> it was fucking horrible, man. <laughs> it was horrible. Walmart's a terrible place. Anyways, Anyways, all right. Anyways, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get off of that, uh, that little topic there. But anyways, that was greatness. It actually made my day. Um, so anyway, so Ira, we're here uh, with you know to talk to talk to you, not just a vent about <laughs> Facebook. Uh, so so sorry, you've sorry, done sorry. you've done a lot of blacksmithing, um, and some of it's been some really really super cool intricate work. Um, would you say that that's where you see yourself continuing on towards, or are you kind of leaning more towards knife making as, if you're kind of the, cause I know you said you, you definitely do more blacksmithing right now. Um, where do you see that going in the future? I like a variety of work. I like doing it. I'd like just doing some straight up welding once in a while. I don't, I don't want to just get stuck on the same thing. Um, I think, bigger art projects are probably where I need to get maybe to where maybe charge more and more money for. Um, I just listened to the podcast, uh, uh, the forge side chat and they have this guy up there, a Canadian sculptor. I just blinked his name out. The guy doing the giant T-Rex and such, you know, and I think bigger Kevin stone, Kevin stone it was a great podcast. Anyways. Uh, I think I, you know, a little bit of that just, bigger fun sculptures like that would be amazing you know and it'd be stressful to take a year on a piece but that t-rex that you're talking about everybody go on instagram and find kevin stone metal sculpting or whatever his company name is he does a dragon that's a full-size replica of a dragon that breathes a 40-foot fireball and it's beautiful it's unbelievable work it's unbelievable I follow. I I was talking to Lando because Lando's coming on, and I was like, you know, somehow Kevin Stone got brought up, and he was like, oh yeah, he's he's just on the podcast. I was like, what? 
Oh my God. That's awesome. I've been following that guy for a while. His work is amazing. Um, I, I, I had a blacksmithing question for you, Ira. Do you, so when you're doing blades, obviously it's important to keep like close track of the temperature so you don't overheat it and burn out all the carbon. Do you find with mild steels or rot or things that you're doing artistic pieces in that that is similar? Do you have to like, will the quality of the piece be sacrificed if you don't maintain a certain temperature? Nothing like blades. Um, and like my older style forge, I mean, an atmospheric forge, they'll just consistently keep the same temperature. I mean, if you leave it in there for two hours and don't touch it, you're going to lose a lot to scale, but it's for the most part, you're okay. Now I have a ribbon burner now. This is Brian house where it got me fired up. So I made one kind of followed it, you know, and, uh, if I'm not paying attention on that thing, it will actually turn my piece into a puddle in the bottom of the forge. If I'm not watching the burner and if I've got it turned up too much and I get distracted. Damn. But no, nothing like I've heard that. Ribbon and then coal, coal forge will, yeah. you know, you'll burn it in half. That's just standard blacksmith and stuff though. But in the propane, nothing like knives. I took a blacksmithing class in high school and we had a coal forge. It was early American wooden metal, but I mean, we were all 13, 14 year old dickheads. We stick a piece of steel in there and it just come out like, you know, sparkling. We're like, (laughs) we had, we we get that thing cranking. They are. Yeah. And it was on the opposite end of the shop from our teacher's desk. So we'd stand over there and we'd just get that thing cranking as hot as we could just for fun, just because we were kids. God, we did some horrible things in my high school shop class. It just makes me cringe to think of what we did, you know. I didn't want to tell you guys. We had Maybe a young kid listening. <laughs> we I, had a I don't kid, know. Uh, I'm really curious right now. <laughs> I, I took no, every shop class. Little... I took every shop class that my high school offered. We had a kid take the tip of his finger off in the joiner. And then they made me and another kid sift through the dust collector to find the end of his finger. Oh, is there a bone in it? Yeah, it was like it from the nail down. It was a big joiner. Oh. He, fit his, he was pushing the board and he had his finger on the end of the board like an idiot. And when it passed the blade, he went Pling! zinc right now. I have a health thing we should probably talk about. Two months ago, I bumped my grinder with my top of my knuckle. Healed up. It was oh. all good. Scratched the top. It was kind of itchy one day and I kind of scratched it. And then I kept working. And then, of course, everybody's got the, you know, the water bucket underneath the for- my grinder there. So I think I, I dropped the blade in there and I, my water is pretty gross. It kind of had a black and green color to it. Anyways, it gets, it swelled up on me. And then, so it kind of turned into like this giant wart on the top of my finger. This is three weeks after it healed up. Finally, it got infected and it's been a saga for two months on me. Been in the ER. It's been a mess. Wow. Scratching my finger. Turns out it's a fungal infection. Oh. And I do think I brewed, I think I brewed a horrible fungus in my slack tub underneath my grinder. There's a heads up for you. I I cringe every time I drop something in my bucket. I keep two buckets. (laughs) I have a dunk, a dunk bucket and then the sludge bucket that catches everything. Yeah, so next and time you reach they, it in there, maybe look it over and be like, do I have any wounds or anything that's not quite healed up? <laughs> <laughs> because this has been ugly. I have really struggled oh, with this. That's brutal, man. And it's still growing. Yeah. They have me on an antifungal right now, and hopefully it's going to stop. But it is, it's fallen off from the infection, but it's still there, and it's growing again. So, Jeez. Wow. You might have to burn brutal. it. I have no, I mean, I'm hoping this last round of stuff is going to do it. I mean, they had me on five different antibiotics trying to get to the in, the infection part of it. Just that go really straight up Viking up. on it and heat up a piece of steel. Well, I thought all that, but I don't think off. it would have been well. I don't think it would have gone well. <laughs> no, I found my... Yeah. Yeah, Ryan I think is not was, currently giving adequate medical advice. <laughs> yeah, don't take no. that. No. I'm a super glue it kind of guy. Yeah, I've definitely had a few different infections. Uh, obviously, I've been a mechanic for a long time, and so I've I've had my fair share of cuts, scrapes, bashes, and so honestly, like anytime I get a cut, I'll at this point I just grab a band aid and some Neosporin or some triple antibiotic ointment, and I wrap that sucker 
and I try and keep it wrapped for like the first two days and, and I haven't had an infection since, but I've had my finger infected before. It wasn't a fungal infection, but you know, you get to where your, your finger starts to get really hot and, and puffed up and red. And it's like, Oh geez, now I've done it. So yeah, it is important to even those little, little cuts and stuff to, to try and take care of them. I've had some pretty serious staph infections in my arm. I had one in my leg. None of that is fun. Yeah. This one sent red tracks up my arm, but then the glands Ooh. of my arm it swelled up. And mm-hmm. they, it got real. That's when you know it's bad. Yeah. yeah that's that's a bad one, one where the, the local doctor said, no, you need to get to the ER now. So yeah, that's past yeah. super glue. Yeah. I, I had to, uh, I had to get a blood sample for something a little while back and actually from the injection site where they took the, the sample in the, you know, crook of my elbow, all of a sudden it started swelling up red and I saw these red streaks going up my bicep and I was like, Oh, here we go again. So yeah, it'll happen from anything. You just gotta be real careful about it. So one of the worst shop injuries I ever had, other than when that belt broke a few months ago and split my head open, this was probably two years ago, two and a half years ago. I was holding a hatchet like an idiot. So like if my cigarette, because we're going to release the video, if my cigarette pack is the hatchet, I was drilling out right here. Oh no. No, oh, I, was holding no. It like, I was holding it like this and I was drilling. And right as I thought to myself, I'm pushing way too hard. The bit slipped off the head and went into my thumb under the bone and into the palm of my hand. Quarter inch diameter drill bit. Yeah, I still have the pictures of it. There was fat two and a half inches down the drill bit from my hand. My coworker said I scream like a girl. He can't. <laughs> I went ah! and then uh, he came running over. He said I was white as a ghost. And the weird part was I pulled the I pulled it out just instinct. I was oh, like, no. Fuck, that, was, that was bad. And I looked at my hand and one little dribble of blood went down. I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And then I looked at the drill bit and I could see all the fat, like how deep it went into my hand. And uh, my boss is like, yeah, just pour some super glue in the hole. I was like, no, I got to go. I got to go to the doctor. So I went and they x-rayed and they said if I had hit the bone like more on like flush on the bone, it would have shattered my thumb bone. I would have lost my thumb. No, no more knife making for this guy. It was that close. Jeez. I got lucky. I still have a gnarly scar from it. Bet you do. Yep. I've shot a nail through my hand back when I was doing framing. That was, it's, it's always the shock factor when you see something in your, in your appendage, that's not supposed to be there. It's like, like, oh. <laughs> I never shot myself when I was a carpenter, but oh, I did geez. shoot another guy. But in my defense, it was his fault. I was hanging a landing in between two flights of stairs and he was on the other side of where I was nailing, pointing at something like this. Oh, no. And the, na- the nail that I was shooting hit a knot and came out right down the tip of his finger. Boop. No good. So, so Ira, about those shop classes you were talking about, <laughs> you, got, you got anything to add to this conversation? Um, ones that we could talk about. Uh, you know, there was all, you know, oxygen acetylene little bombs. <sighs> You know, just make it the right, perfect mix to lift canisters off the ground. Um, mm-hmm. Wire brush, throwing nails. That was the worst one. Welding rods. No, it's just a bunch of boys <laughs> around a bunch of... And we had a shop teacher that wasn't very good at, like, paying attention to us. So we could get away with horrible stuff. That being said, that shop class, <laughs> like, I owe everything to that shop class. I mean, it. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for high school shop. I love my shop teacher. Uh, I really did. He, I Every time I see him now, because this is a small area, so I'll run into him at the grocery store. I'm like, Mr. J. Oh, Ryan. I'm like, yeah. I love that guy. They don't have shop here anymore. They took it out of all the schools. Ah, see, that's a shame. And Today, they did that at most of the shops shame. around here. But our local one still has a shop class. But I uh, actually had a lady shop teacher. Um, but yeah. Nice. One of the most influential people in my life, for sure. Getting me, you know, to teach me about welding. Yeah. Mr. Jenkins. Pete Jenkins. I called him Mr. J. That's super but cool. Why don't we uh, 
throw in an ad here. Let's do it. Maritime Knife Supply, they have Canadian specials going on that they pass down to us Americans. Thank you, Canada. The Boxing Day sale is going on. And I'm going to look it up. I think it's 11%. No, that was Phoenix Abrasives. It was 11%. It is 10% is it? off of steel, um, handle material, a uh, number of like measurement tools and stuff by a specific company that I can't pronounce, um, and a couple other things. So either way, go check that out. Yes, for sure. Hustle & Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. That's Luke from Crafty Man Forge with a K, everybody. Um, for any listeners who listen to my other podcast, The Brodown Showdown with my brother Richie, there was no episode this week, and the episode coming out next week might be late. And the reason for that is we recorded an entire two-hour Christmas special, and the audio was fucked. So all the... The way him and I do it is face-to-face, -face, so it's a different interface than using the platform I use for the Hustle and Grind. My brother Richie is on a tattoo artist's salary, so he went out and he bought 1500 bucks worth of podcast equipment. So we got Roadcaster mics, the newest, most awesomest board coming, and that stuff should be here Friday. So tune in to the Brodown Showdown, everybody, if you like silliness. Anyways, anyways, um, <laughs> now that we now that we've done our 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 little sponsorship there, do we want to do a little uh, Florida Man action? Yeah, might as well. We've been going forty two minutes already. Time's just flying by. We're just BSing, man. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. We're not very good active listeners. What a shame. <laughs> so, what do you got? Oh, yeah, I got to play the intro. Sorry. Just it's like late sitting here, here waiting, man. <laughs> Fucking flea bags. Boys and girls, get ready to play. Is it Florida Man or Fraud? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to play everyone's favorite game, Florida Man or Fraud. Today we're doing things a little different. We are doing... Florida man or fraud, there is going to be one. I am going to read three stories. One of these will be a fraud in that it is a fake story. It is satire. It is fake news. It never happened. Uh, it's been a little crazy here around Christmas time. I don't have my usual usual preparation. So I'm just going to read like a quick headline and like a little burb line. I'm not going to give you the full story like I try to. And uh, Ryan, Ira, and all you lovely listeners at home, are going to have to guess which one of these three stories is the fraud. I'm going to read all three stories right after the bat. And then uh, Ryan, Ira, and all you lovely people can guess after that which one is the fake one. So, starting off, we have... Man breaks into house while homeowner taking a shower. Close by shower gun comes in handy. <laughs> There's a picture of a revolver uh, inside a waterproof case that is held up by suction cups to give you an idea of, of what we're doing here. Um, there's lots of shower gun memes out there, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's, it's a story. And uh, yeah, it's about uh, this burglar breaks into a home and uh, the guy comes out uh, buck naked with, uh, with the gun that he had. It's his uh, shower gun and was able to uh, fend off the would-be attacker. Next up, we have woman who abandoned heli woman who abandoned alligator at O'Hare charged with animal cruelty. A woman <laughs> apparently left an alligator at a airport where it was crawling around terrorizing people until uh, animal control came to pick it up. Florida man poses as Walmart employee. Oh wait, where's the rest of the headline? 
Fleabag. Anyways, uh, Florida man uh, posed as he he stole a uniform or or something and uh, posed as a cashier and just kept all the money that the people like paid for all their items with and then split. <laughs> Genius. So he was like, he, he like went up and like told told somebody that was checking like, oh hey, you're needed in the office or something like that. Took took over the cash register and uh, posed as an employee checking out people and then grabbed all the money that they paid him and took off. So we have woman leaves alligator at the airport. Uh, man breaks into a house where the owner apparently has a shower gun and uh man poses as Walmart checker and uh, takes all the cash that he makes. Hmm. All three of those are very believable. Yeah, I think they're all believable. I know one of them jokes on you guys. That's my brother down the road. That's a Colorado guy, the guy in the gun in the shower. The shower so, gun? Was it really? Yeah. I'm saying I, I like his style. <laughs> No, my brother, yeah, he's kind of a nudist and he loves guns. So <laughs> number three, number three, that's that didn't happen. I like the idea, but that's mine. I'm, a, I'm with Ira on this one. Wh- which one? Which one was number three? I that was that's two the minutes ago. clerk that dressed up in the the outfit, taking the money all day. Okay, yeah. but first, first we have to back up. You, you actually you, wait. Was it actually your brother that? Was the the shower gun guy? No, but I could. To- my brother would totally do that, and he probably oh, has a oh. gun in the bathroom. <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, you had me going there for a minute. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, all right, so you, I agree so you, with Ira. So you guys believe that uh, the the shower gun, the alligator in the airport, are both real, and yep. the Walmart checker is the fake one? Yes. Dang it, you guys got it. That is amazing. <laughs> nice. Both of I was you on killed a, it. I was on a really bad slump there for a few weeks. So so tell me, what, what went into your, your reasoning behind the, the Walmart checker being the, the fake one? Because Walmart has floor managers who manage all those people who just stand there and watch them do their job. I'm pretty sure they'd be like, who's this guy pocketing all this money? I've never seen him before. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I like the idea, though. You, I think it's a, you just went with a gut feeling. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, the lady trying to get an alligator on the airplane. Sure, I could see that happening. They're going to prosecute her for something. And the gun, I yeah, don't I, know. I, I know, I got, I got, yeah, my brother probably has a gun in every room of his house. So I see that happening. Yeah, I've known a few of those as well. Uh, I, I never mind. We don't need to get into that. I have I have one buddy who's a big gun nut, and and he's he's done things like that in the past. So yeah, totally believable. Um, but yeah, so I enjoy that one, the Second Amendment. The uh, the the Walmart checker one was actually sent in just today by our man Todd Harrington. So shout out to Todd Harrington for sending me some of the highest quality um, Florida man stories. Todd's fucking awesome. He's on the list of people coming on. We are booked out officially till the end of March. You guys need to grill Todd Harrington about like knife geometry, shapes, weights, you know. You get a professional chef on there. I think people need to hit him more, you know. He'd be fun to have. He asked that this time when he comes on, he doesn't want to talk about kitchen stuff at all. Oh, really? Oh, crap. (laughs) well no not necessarily we're 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 just not going to grill him about his chef career because that's typically what he gets asked about is is that so i mean his 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 uh relation to knives i think we can we can talk to him about that and talk about geometry and weights and stuff like that i feel like if we get into the the nerdy and the nitty-gritty about knives that's that's far enough away from his his chef career that i i think we should be able to have a pretty good conversation with that yeah todd's awesome and before I forget, the uh, the woman with the alligator at the airport, that was from Aru Bladeworks. So shout out to Aru. Thank you very much for contributing to the show. Um, we've slacked the last few episodes on the patrons. I was going to so talk I, to you about that, Ryan. Yeah. So I think we should read off the Patreon list. 
and tell everybody how much we love and appreciate them for being patrons. Um, and we hope more of you sign up. I talked to Brian House the other day on ways we can bolster our patron numbers, and he gave me the most in-my-face, right-in-front-of-me answer ever. And he goes, just ask. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty you simple. Just, <laughs> you just ask people for things? Yeah. And that, like I, cause the way they do theirs on the work for it is they have that, you know, uh, Dennis Tyrell did that little clip for him in the beginning where like that won't even buy you two gallons of gas here in California thing where that it's done so well, it doesn't even sound like they're asking. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, like it, it never came across that way, which is perfect. So we're going to have to... the, the soothing sound of Dennis Tyrell's voice. Yes. Who was on the Christmas episode, if anybody caught that, that came out early because the Forge Side Chat released their episode early. Thanks, Lando. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't give a shit. It's really hard to make me mad. But well, it just didn't make sense to have, you know, those things, you know, two things about the same, you know, because we were there to help promote Dennis and, and it just kind of made sense to release them on the same day. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, because if theirs came out two days before ours, it would have crushed our viewership on it. If anybody was interested in just watching that video or that podcast for that one particular reason, because they would have all been covered already. But since we released them on the same day, it, it balanced it out for everybody. Because the rising tide lifts all ships. Yes, rising tides lift all ships. But back onto the patrons, we've got... Donnie Dulovich, KnifeMaterial.at, Aru Bladeworks, Brigham Kindel, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Richard Beck, whose Gen 3 grinder is now out, I believe, and he's selling Gen 3 upgrade kits if you have the Gen 1 or Gen 2. Um, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, the man with the Midas touch, Troxclair Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Brian Henningkamp, Echo Blades, Sourwood Creations, Bremner Built Knives, Snake Branch Knife Works, Stormlight Forge, Timber Tiger Forge, Mr. Ira Housewert, thank you, sir, Maximus Knives, Jared Weaver at the Master of Metal Manipulation, B Cone, go, everybody go check out B Cone, and Driver Defense Knives. Thank you, everyone. We love you all. That was fun. It was fun. We love and appreciate all you guys, seriously. And, uh, we, you know, it, it just gives us a little bit extra motivation to, to do what we do and, and help us, you know, keep on hustling, keep on grinding. So. For sure. Um, so, I, take, I, oh, go ahead. We got to take care of the other sponsor real quick. All and right. And then uh, we'll go right through this. Phoenix Abrasives is also doing a sale. It's 11% off everything on the website. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by phoenixabrasives.com, your one-stop abrasive shop. They stock all the abrasive belts you need in all sizes. They also offer knife-making kits, which have all the goods you need in one kit, as well as hand sanding and buffing materials. Go to phoenixabrasives.com and use the code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your order. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Does Luke Phoenix again. has something I use today. Phoenix has a deburring wheel that I really like. It's a, it's like six inch diameter, one inch wide. It's got a one inch arbor hole. It's kind of like a mix of a Scotch Bright wheel to a I don't know rubbery Scotch Bright wheel that's solid. I think it's a slick. Oh, that's right. It's yeah for like roughing in a hammer face if you want to kind of speed it up to get to that mirror finish polish. I don't know. I like them. I'll have to look into that. I think I saw. Did did you post a video quite a while ago um, using that? No, I don't. I never posted a video using it. I just I just using it today, thinking about it, and I know I got it from uh, Phoenix. Okay, yeah, somebody posted a, a, a reel or something about that. Not, yeah, it was probably a while ago, and I saw that video. I was like, oh man, I got to get one of those, and then completely completely forgot about that. But that looks like an amazing tool. That would be awesome. Uh, to use, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'll try and make another mental note of that. 
So there you go. And yeah, then those guys are doing a uh, 11% off sale for all you lovely people out there. So go check out Phoenix Abrasives while that is still going on. So Ira, I was going to ask, a while ago you were on another podcast um, and you were talking about a, a pretty large bridge sculpture or a, or a bridge project, I think it was. Um, is that something you think you're going to be doing or, or is there any news on that? The big ones seem like they take a while to line up, so I'm still in the middle of it. Um, I think I have to bid it here this spring, so still a ways oh, out. Oh, okay. I picked oh, up some other fun you're, jobs. You're, you're, you're a ways out from the bidding of the job even? Yeah, still bidding the job. Oh, And then okay, so it'll be okay, like my... middle of summer, maybe fall, that I would start construction if I did it. Oh, okay, all right. So I, I was mistaken. I thought that it was something that you would have already done all that and you'd kind of be finding out whether or not that was something you're going to be doing. So are, I, I can't remember exactly how it was. Are you actually building the full structural assembly of the bridge and everything all together? Yes. If, if you win that everything. bid? Yep. Wow. So I would need to hire a few welders and yeah. And so then you'd probably, I mean, is this something you're going to like contract out asphalt like over the top of? Is this a, a driving bridge, yeah. a walking bridge? I, I would be the subcontractor on it. I mean, I guess I do. I do have a shop and my insurance would still is big enough. So I guess I could do it all. I would be the sub and or the general contractor on the project. Gotcha. Okay. And how, how, big is this bridge like how like if you could just well, give us a general the length actual bridge width. is 200 feet so and that's the span so it's huge um Dang. and then the piers on the side are like 30 feet and 40 feet of concrete with also railing on top of that so it, it's it's a huge project um and i've already got a, I've got just... some other good jobs this summer you know there's a couple big trophy homes that came in with you know a two, 300 feet of handrail a piece on those. So I kind of got to make sure I can swing it all or which job am I going to take? And I don't want to chase off some of my good clients. Sure. Yeah. Those of us that are in knife making, this is kind of like a foreign thing. I, I know a lot of people here have done contract work or, or probably even contractors themselves. Um, I know I did lots of, you know, I, I was an employee for lots of contracting work. So the the actual contractor aspect of it is kind of foreign. Um, is this a, is this like a two lane, like one, one lane each direction or. Yeah. Two lane. No, sorry. Sorry. Two sorry, sorry. The two lanes beside me, I'm building a bridge just barely downstream. So it's going to be a, it's wide enough for a small tractor to go, but it's mostly a bicycle hiking trail bridge. Oh, okay. All right. But it's still got to span. Anything that spans 200 feet is going to have some pretty serious engineering on it. Um, oh yeah. It just, it's a huge, that's a big number. That's insane. Wow. That's, it's, it's such a larger project than, than most of us are used to thinking about. Like there's, you know, so much that goes into that. Like that's even doing a bid for it. It's gotta be quite the intricate process of making sure that you have everything, you know, lined up. So you have, you know, your idea of what all your costs and everything are going to be. No, it's, it's super intense there on my, uh, on my Instagram. I did one last summer. I did a bridge and that's, that bridge is 80 feet. So I've done some pretty big ones, but like 80 feet to 200 is not just, I mean, that's a big step, and especially oh, just yeah. on the structural weight of what's going to have to happen and, and the cranes to lift the pieces in. And, but like I said, I mean, who knows if I, if I get the job or not, um, I've got several other really good ones also that are in the work. So. And maybe so a few blades here and there too. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Um, so if if you're looking at you know your you know like your next year or so like that, or or even further into into the future, do you enjoy or do you do you like doing those those bigger, more intricate, you know, in depth jobs that are going to take you? you know, six months, a year, or, or do you like this? Do you prefer the, uh, the, the smaller jobs, handrails? Uh, some of us, a handrail is a big job. Um, but for you, it sounds like, you know, that's kind of your bread and butter. Um, yeah. what, what, what do you, what do you see yourself in the future doing? Do you want to gravitate towards those larger, larger jobs or do you want to 
stick with the smaller things. I think I need to probably get to some of those bigger ones just because there's just less, there's just not that many people doing those bigger projects. So hopefully I can try to charge way more money for it. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I like the bigger sculptures, you know, I mean that, that Kevin, the Kevin Stone podcast today, it was like Ned really thinking about it and, but it's also, he talks about it in his things is how stressful, like worrying about the next one. And then once you get your shop set up for a big sculpture like that, you need to keep rolling big sculptures or big jobs, you know, where that small one car garage making a knife, you kind of just keep your, your overheads way less. And I don't know. Like, so my shop insurance and my workers comp just came in and I'm 5,000 bucks more this year than I was last year. It's like, ah. You know, things like that i'm just like i was not ready for a five thousand dollar hit on just my insurance and uh i don't know the overhead is just tremendous when you start stepping up the size of your shop and the size of projects yeah five thousand that that hurts yep not happy about it for sure <laughs> i can't imagine yeah and that just kind of goes back to what i was saying like you know there's there's things that we don't even understand you know like stuff like that or you know like you were saying prepping your shop to do those big builds and then having to you know keep going with those bigger builds that's stuff that regular guys like like myself just don't even think about that's that's crazy for sure yeah oh well what do you guys say it's we've been going an hour it's late here anything else you want to talk about I'm just kind of curious what, so, so, I mean, I just, you know, what's, what's the future for you, you look like, I mean, are you, obviously it sounds like you're just kind of happy kind of being, you know, doing these projects that those projects, you're just kind of going to continue to be doing kind of whatever comes your way, or do you, I know you said you kind of feel like you have to get into those bigger jobs. Um, Is that kind of like your plan? Are you just kind of playing it by ear? What's, what's the future hold? For, yeah, I think I want to get into a few work. bigger jobs just to make some more money, you know, and try to get onto some of those. I mean, that's how, you know, I, I think, I think I could make tremendously more money if I got some of those bigger jobs and then just keep taking on like knives. I just want to try to do just fun ones. I really want to just kind of start making my own stuff and then just kind of list it for sale on a website and see where it goes. You know, I just Rather had the name orders. Yeah, I had one of my fancier clients ask me for a champagne saber this week. And I was like, what's that? And I had to check it out. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that's totally the kind of project I want to do. You know, just a, a big doll sword that he can open champagne bottles with. And I was like, uh-huh. yeah, okay, I'm game for that. And uh, I don't know, just keep mixing it up. Maybe make, you know, some weird Damascus stuff and try to keep it interesting on knives. And I don't know, just make cool shit. That's that's what it all comes down to. Make cool shit. I like it. That should be all of our mantras. Just make cool shit. And be humble. Be For humble, sure. guys. Oh, you know what? I got something I could bring up. The wife and I were talking about having another baby. Right? And uh nice. Where is where is this going, Ryan? I, it's fine. It's not anything <laughs> weird. We were legitimately talking about it because we're both getting older. And if we want to, like we're coming to the end of the road of where we reasonably should. We decided against it. And I'm going to get a puppy instead. <laughs> that sounds safer. I, I can't yeah, imagine. I'm going to get a third right now. Oh, my God. We, we were talking about it and like. The more we talked about it, the more reasons we came up with not to do it. And like yeah. me being a dude, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let's let's make a baby because all I'm thinking about is making the baby. <laughs> and then but we just, you know, we t- we talked ourselves out of it and we decided I wanted a shop dog. Both of my dogs now currently are princesses who don't like being out in my shop. So I'm going to get a boy dog and he's going to be my little sidekick. He'll be my shop dog. I'll make him a respirator. I don't know. Whatever we find. I like hounds, but I'm not picky. I'm not picky. Just nothing long hair. I don't want to fucking deal with that shit. Short hair dogs are for me. You see some dog cookies out in the shop. They'll come in. (laughs) (laughs) 
as the owner of a lab, I can tell you that, uh, that, that dog hair finds its way places no matter what length it is. Dude, we have to pull our bed out like once a month and I have to bring in my shop back from the garage and vacuum the dog hair out from off the carpet under the bed. Uh. It's, it's so bad. And our, and we have, uh, my older dog's medium hair and my Boingle's a short hair. So I can just imagine how bad it would be with the long hair. So, but yeah, we're looking, we're looking for a puppy. I don't want a purebred. I don't want to buy from a breeder. I'd rather like a dog that like needs me. You know what I mean? Rescues are more appreciative. I found they love you yep. more. My dog's a rescue. He loves me mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. Cause they know that they could end up in a fucking cage somewhere and then euthanized. And yep. to bring the show down, there we go. Yeah. We'll end it on a downer. Euthanasia of dogs. <laughs> no, but you know, I've I've found in my life that rescue dogs they have a much more tangible level of appreciation for you than dogs that you bought as a puppy who never were cold in a cage. You know what I mean? No hardship in their life. So, I think, you have I dogs think that's Ira? healthier too. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm a fan of the mutt. They are healthier for sure. And you got, when you go through the shelters, um, they've all been vet checked already. They won't let them leave without being spayed. So you don't have to worry about that. Like there's a lot of benefits to adopting over shopping for dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I, I definitely, I can, I definitely see both sides. My sister is heavily involved in, in dog breeding and everything like that. And I also have lots of friends and myself who have rescue dogs and we have a great shelter here in town. We've got multiple animals from them. And I mean, my dog is awesome and he's probably, I mean, you know, they said, you know, he was something, you know, purebred lab, but you know, he's a hundred and something pounds. So he's, (laughs) you know, he's probably like partially great Dane or something like that. You know, he's massive. Got some mastiff in him. Yeah, he's huge. He's lovey. He's, uh, you know, best dog I've ever had. And yeah, so yeah, shelters are a great place to get a dog. Absolutely. I completely agree. My dog, Georgia, she's the perfect size. She's like 50 pounds. She's half beagle, half German short haired pointer. Like just a great size. She's not small. She's not huge. My other dog, Carolyn, she's like 80 pounds. And when she steps on you, it feels like her foot is passing through your body and it fucking hurts. So. Mm-hmm. And my shop yeah, dog's we, a we Corgi call... Healer Cross. So nice. Short... That's a good mix. Corgi yeah. Healer. <laughs> That's she a nice little mix. A little short. around the shop all day. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. My dog's not much of a shop dog, but he just wants to be where I'm at. The problem is, is that he's massive. And so there's only so much room for a massive dog that has a tail. That's a weapon of mass destruction. Because if, if any of you know what lab tails are like, just imagine it twice the size with some very enthusiastic wagging. Yeah. My, my big dog is a lab border collie and she's cleaned multiple cans of soda off the coffee table in her life. Yep. Smash. Uh, uh, But, all right, guys, what do you say we call that a podcast? I think. What do you think? Why not? Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for coming on, Ira. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure. It's great. You're welcome back anytime. Everybody, have a great week. Keep on hustling and keep on grinding. And make cool shit. That was a good one. <laughs>